And in this message today, I'm going to share some keys that will open the door to revitalizing our church and releasing the hidden potential and power of the gifts and ministry that are in you and in our congregation that have been hidden for so long. And so this message is going to center on this Bible truth that, that every believer is a minister. You are a minister. Your first ministry is to God, but you also have a ministry to the household of faith. And then you have a ministry to your family. And you have a ministry to unbelievers. There's so many different ways that God wants you to be a minister. And so this whole year, this whole year, think about it. We have been spending this whole year preaching and teaching on discipleship in a series called Forward in Faith. I mean, it's the longest we've ever preached on anything other than when I pre we preached through Matthew, which years ago, some of y'all remember, it took us two years to preach through the book of Matthew. But this has been, this has been like nine months on discipleship. And we use the word forward as, a, as an acrostic in this teaching. And we've learned that if we're going to be a disciple, we must follow Christ. We must obey Christ. We must reach others for Christ. We must worship Christ. We must abide in Christ. We must resist the devil who wants to keep us from growing in Christ. And we've got to disciple others for Christ. These are actions we must all take to move forward in discipleship and to grow in the Lord. And as we learned, the, 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 being a disciple maker is the goal of your life. It's the purpose of your life. We get that from Jesus himself. Right before he ascended into heaven, he gathered his disciples in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 and said, go and make disciples of all nations. Nations is ethnos. It's ethnic groups. It's not just going to different countries. It's all, it's all ethnic groups. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That command was not just for 12 people years ago. It's for all of us today. It's for all believers for all time, and it's for you. You have a ministry, and one of the big parts of your ministry is to be a disciple maker. And growing churches have discovered this long ago that pastors cannot do it alone. Not only is it impossible, it's unbiblical. And that's what I'm preaching today. The pastor cannot do it alone. Pastors cannot do it alone. A staff cannot do it alone. We need everybody in the body of Christ. And one of the greatest tragedies, I believe, that ever happened in the church was when the ministry was moved from the people to the professionals. It was moved from the pew to the pulpit. Was, that was never God's plan for the church. His plan was for everyone who is in the body of Christ to be involved in the ministry of Christ. That includes you. Here's some reasons people don't get involved in ministry. Sometimes there's a fear of failure. They don't want to get involved in something where they think they're going to fail. Uh, some people never have been trained, and they, they, uh, they don't know what to do. They haven't been taught that they're a minister, but we are going to be training you. We're going to be teaching you. I, I'm telling you, this month we are going to be teaching and training you how to be a minister in the body of Christ. We're going to train you so you have no fear of failure. And, and, and another reason that... that, that, that this has happened because many pastors have also bought into the error of thinking that, that they're the only ones who can do the ministry. That's why so many pastors burn out. That's why so many pastors quit the ministry. That's why so many church members are bored and so many church members feel, well, they don't really need me. Why so many people fall through the cracks. I grew up in churches where the pastor did everything. That was my dad. He, he, they, paid it. they paid the preacher to do all that stuff. 
He did the preaching. He did the teaching. He did the counseling. He did the hospital visits. He did all kind of crisis care. He did every kind of care. If there was ministry to be done, they expected him to do it. That was my t- paradigm growing up for a pastor. And it's taken me years to undo that mindset. And I still feel guilty sometimes if I'm not the one to go to the hospital to visit somebody or to counsel them because it, it, I've been bred to believe that the pastor does all of that. But that's body ministry. It's not that we're getting removed from it. We're still going to always be involved in it. But it's also involving more people than just us. It's not just us that can visit the sick or or preach to the lost or disciple new people. We cannot do it alone. We should not do it alone. We need you to be a minister in the body of Christ. And so I'm inviting you on one of the most exciting journeys we've ever been on in a church. And I believe that this church is about to become a powerhouse because of the release of the Holy Spirit working in and through you in Jesus' name. Listen, we, we want the love of God to flow down out to the streets, right? Well, the love of God has got to flow down the aisles of the church before it's going to flow out to the streets of the city. The love of God has got to flow between us, and we've got to figure out how to do it. And I believe that's going to increase in this church as we relaunch, relaunch our small groups. We begin our journey of creating a culture of care. This is going to take a while. This is not going to be immediate. We're going to, it's going to take some work and some effort. And speaking of work, effort, and preparation, our elders, our staff, ministry leaders, Sherelle uh, uh, and Ken Martin with the small groups, and, and Jimmy Marsh and others with, with the pastoral care ministry, and other people have been working very hard to relaunch small groups, and to, and to create a culture of care. You don't know what's happening all the time for months. For months. Months and months and months, weeks and weeks and weeks of hard work that's gone on behind the scenes to get us to, 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 to where we are now. And so we're going to create this culture of care where every member is cared for on an ongoing basis, not just crisis care. The key is this, continual care. Continual care. And in this kind of culture, listen, in this kind of culture, everyone is cared for, everyone is prayed for, and, and everyone has somebody there for them in a time of need and in times of joy. And so we're, I'm going to be preaching, we're going to be, be preaching on this throughout the month of September, and then at the end of the month, we're going to have this weekend of training with Dr. Bosman uh, and, and the author of Care Revolution, and as I said, he's going to be here that whole weekend of the 23rd through the 25th. Get it on your calendar. Get it on there now. If you've got something else on your calendar, cancel that and do this. <laughs> but uh, it's really, I'm, 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 I'm telling you, this is very important to the life of our church. Please hear me as your pastor. And uh, I grew up in churches where we went to church all the time, multiple times a week every week, and we had meetings that last weeks and weeks long, and all those kind of things, and, and we, we don't do that these days, and we, so there's not been a lot of demand or request on you as far as extra meetings, but I'm making that request that you pray about this. If you're a leader, we need you to be there. If you're someone who, who feels that you're part of this church, and you really want to get involved in ministry, well, you need to be there. If, you want, if you're going to be a small group leader, you need to be there. If you're going to want to grow in Christ, you need to be there, because it's going to, even if you don't end up being a care minister, 
or somebody who's involved in it, it's going to help you learn how to minister to others, and it's going to train you and equip you, which is what I'm going to be, be uh, speaking about in this message, because you've got to take steps. Listen, you've got to take steps to grow in discipleship. You have to take steps. I can't take the steps for you. God's not going to make you just automatically grow. You've got to put away childish things. You've got to take the steps forward to grow in the Lord, to grow in discipleship and, and disciple making. You have a calling from God. But just because you have a calling from God does not mean you're ready to fulfill that call. You've got to go through a process of preparation called equipping. I'm going to talk about equipping today. And the, the word, the Greek word for equip in the New Testament, the root word is the word katartizo, which means this, to repair, to mend, to adjust, to join together, to prepare, to restore, to put in order, to complete thoroughly. And I love what Thayer's Greek lexicon says. It says it means to make you what you ought to be. What is it that you ought to be? Well, we know from Romans 8, 29 that those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Your destiny is to become like Christ. That's who you ought to be, more and more like Christ. That doesn't just happen. You must be equipped. You must be ministered to. You must be discipled to become like Christ. And Luke 6, 40 says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Remember, discipleship is not just about information, receiving head information. It's about life transformation, becoming more and more like Christ. And the word katartizo is, is translated fully trained in this passage. The more like Christ you will be, the, the more equipped you are, the more like Christ you will become. Now, since none of us are totally like Christ yet, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I don't need it because I know none of y'all are all completely like Christ yet. You don't see my hand up. That means all of us have some equipping that needs to be done. And God, the Lord God Almighty, oversees this process of equipping. I love Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may that God, May that God right there who sent Jesus and raised him from the dead, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. I want you to see that God uses the same power that he raised up Jesus from the dead to equip you, that same power that gives you new life, that same power to heal your wounds, that same power to set you free, that same power can equip you with everything you need to do God's will for your your life. Listen, God is not setting you up to fail. He's setting you up to succeed and he provides everything that you need to do so. That's good news. You're not on your own. You're never on your own. God oversees this process of equipping, but he uses different tools to equip us. This word katartizo, we normally teach about this in catch the vision class. Uh, we may not be next week because we taught, we're teaching on it today, but normally Pastor Deb teaches on this about how this word appears 13 times in the Greek text, but it's translated with, with different words in the Bible. Sometimes it's translated equipped, but sometimes it's translated a, a, a different way. Uh, and all those ways it's translated shows the different way God's, God equips us. For instance, 1 Peter 5.10 says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete you, 
and make you what you ought to be, establish and ground you securely, and strengthen and settle you. Isn't that good news? God himself has a calling on your life, and he is going to make you complete. That word complete there is the word katartizo. That is the same word for equipping. He is going to complete you by equipping you and making you what you ought to be and establishing you and grounding you and strengthening you and settling you. That's what happens when you're equipped. How does God equip us? Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand the universe was formed by the word of God so that what, what is seen was made out of not out of what was out, was not made out of what was visible. In this verse, the word katartizo is translated formed. The universe was formed, katartizoed, equipped, formed by God. And it means to arrange and put in order. When God equips us, when God equips a church, he arranges us and gets us in order. Things are not out of order. Things are in order. How, does, how did God do that in his creation? How did he form it? By his word. All he said, he spoke. Let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. And it was. How does he equip us? By his word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God. It's breathed by God. Theonustos. God breathed it out. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God wants to equip you and make you complete. And not just so you can walk around and say, look how mature I am, but he equips you so that you can do every good work. And every good work is the work he has called you to do. And so God equips us through the truth of the word of God. You will never be equipped apart from the word of God. You've got to spend time in the Word and learn the Word and be taught the Word. God also used other people to equip us and teach us and disciple us. We get this from Ephesians 4, 11, 13. This is what's talking about the fivefold ministry. It says, He Himself, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? Why did He give them? There are gifts of the Spirit. We find them in 1 Corinthians 12. There are gifts of the Father. We find them in Romans. These are the gifts of Jesus. When Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. And the gifts that he gave were five people, five types of people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why did he give them? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. We used to believe it was like to equip the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry, meaning the fivefold ministry did all the ministry. No, it's to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I don't think we're there yet. We need the fivefold ministry. Their job is to prepare us, to prepare, prepare you for ministry, not to do all the ministry themselves. It takes all five of these ministers to represent Jesus. And if any are missing in the body of Christ, then, then an important ministry of Christ is, is missing because he was the, the great apostle. He was the great teacher. He, he was the, a prophet. He was all those things, he, uh, all those things to us. So these ministry gifts are given to equip the body of Christ. And here's how it happens. Evangelists 
love to share their faith. They love to witness. And they love to birth babies into the kingdom of God. They just love it. But, but here's the problem. As soon as one baby is birthed, they're on to the next one. They've done their job. And that baby will be left to itself. If not for pastors who provide nurture and care and comfort and, and protection. And, and the, the problem in, in most churches is that a pastor, one pastor, is all that you have. So many Christians have spent all of their church life, some of them decades, still looking for a pastor to care and comfort looking to the pastor for care and comfort and protection. Uh, uh, but we've got to be birthed into the kingdom and then to be cared for by the church, by the whole church. That's why we need more than just an evangelist and more than just the, the pastor. We need prophets who come to you and say, you know, it's good that you're in the kingdom. It's good that you're comfortable. It's good that you're well fed. But God has a call on your life. God has a destiny for you, and I'm calling that out of you today in the name of Jesus. It's time for you to do the work of the ministry that God has called for you. We need those prophetic voices in the church. They provide vision and motivation to fulfill our destinies. But if prophets is all we have, Christians will fail because they don't know how to do what they are called to do. That's why we need teachers. By the way, prophets are not pastors. It's tough to be in the church pastor by a prophet. You may have been in one of those at some point. It's tough because that, that, that's pastoring is not their call. But we need the evangelist. We need the pastor. We need the, we, we need the, the prophet. We need the teachers to open the Bible to show us how to do what we're called to do. And all this is overseen by the, the apostle who's like the father uh, uh, of the house, the father of the church. And, and that's how the, all the fivefold ministry work together to equip the saints to grow to maturity. That's how God designed the church to operate. The job of the fivefold ministry is not to do all the ministry themselves. It's to, it's to equip you, you, you to, a minister, to minister. And Ephesians 4 goes on and shows us what it looks like when somebody's fully equipped. I encourage you to read Ephesians 4. It shows you what it looks like when somebody is equipped. First is Christ-likeness. A maturing Christian will become more and more like Christ. Ephesians 4.13 says, When we are equipped, we will all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. A second result of equipping is Stability. Boy, these days we need some stable people in the house of God. The church needs to be a stable place where people in this world are out there not knowing what to believe or who to believe or what's going on. We've got to be a stable place grounded in the word of God and in the faith. And we need stable people. Ephesians 4.14 says this is what happens with equipping. We're equipped so that we are no longer children tossed back and forth by waves, carried about by every wind of teaching. Man, there's so much teaching on the internet that I don't know where it came from. A lot of it came from the pit of hell, and some people are, are, are Christians are listening to it, and it sounds good to them, uh, and, and they're just blown around by every wind of doctrine, every wind of teaching, by trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. Be careful where you're getting taught. Be careful who's teaching you. Make sure it's somebody who's really teaching faithfully the right doctrine, rightly dividing the word of truth. A third result of equipping, of equipping is that 
both truth and love are evident in your life. Truth and love. Now listen, some people are all about truth. And they're all about confronting people. And they say something and they'll just say, well, it's true. Well, just because it's true don't, don't mean you need to say it. And if you are to say it, you are to say it with love, the Bible says. Speak the truth in love. If you're all about confronting people and you have no love, and by the way, that's kind of how prophetic type people, many of them are. They see things black and white, no gray, and they're pointing the finger, and, and their hearts are good. They want to see people right with God. But if they don't do that ministry in love, they're not equipped properly. On the other hand, if you're all about love and mercy and never hold anyone accountable to truth, that's not proper equipping either. And there's a lot of that going on these days in this world of where we have hyper-grace teaching where everything goes and everything's okay and nobody's confronted or held accountable for anything. Listen, equipped people will love you enough to hold you accountable. And they will speak the truth and love to you. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth and love, we will in all things grow up in Christ who is ahead. Listen to me. By speaking the truth and love to each other, we grow up. If you are not teachable, you will not grow. If you're not confrontable, you will not grow. If somebody can't share something with you in, in love, saying, man, I see this in you, I'm concerned about you, I'm praying for you, how can I help you? And if you get offended and walk out the door because somebody is trying to help you grow in the faith, I'm telling you, you're never going to grow to maturity in Christ. You've got to come to the place where you can receive this truth that's spoken in love. See, and truth spoken in love, it involves direction and correction. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if someone is caught up in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you yourself also may be tempted. By the way, the word restore in this verse is katartizo, the word for equipping. So equipping is restoring people who fall into sin. We don't write them off. We don't say we're done with you. We say we love you. We want to help you. How can we help you through this? How can we help you walk through this? How can we help you get free of this? That's equipping. A fourth result of equipping is strong relationships. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. The whole body joined together by every supporting ligament. Joining together. A joint is the joining together of two different limbs. There's a lower arm, upper arm, the elbow is the joint. That's the place of relationship. That's a place of relationship. And unfortunately, these days, many, many people, even people in the church, do not know how to have deep, loving, long-lasting relationships. They go from relationship to relationship, marriage to marriage, church to church, job to job, defriending people on Facebook like that, and disowning people because they believe something different than them, uh, disowning people because they, they voted different than them, disowning people. I mean, it's crazy these days in our culture of offense. Everybody is so offended all the time, and they just write you off. That is not of God. Is there times to, to t set boundaries? Yes. But many of us easily just say, I don't want nothing to do with you. But if it's a person in the body of Christ, we're called to love them and care for them. And, and, and we've got to love each other through everything. A fifth result of equipping, now listen, is everyone doing their part 
of the ministry. Everyone. 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 I'm preaching on Ephesians 4. This is talking about fivefold ministry. This is talking about equipping. This is talking about the results of equipping. We're equipped so that we can do the work of the ministry and grow in all of these things. And it says in verse 16, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full, in, and full of love. When everybody does their part, I looked it up, and everybody includes you. When everybody, so listen to me, why do you think most churches struggle? What percentage of people, I'm not going to dare think of a number, but what percentage of people are actually doing their part of ministry? I'm not talking just attending church. I'm talking actually ministering to others. Doing their part. What is your part? Are you doing your part? When you do your part, it helps other people grow. You see, it's not just about you. So if you're not doing your part, it could be that somebody else is not growing. I know you're not growing if you're not doing your part. Because by exercising your faith is how you grow in faith. Exercising your spiritual muscles is how you grow strong in the Lord. But you could be causing somebody else to not grow. And it could be causing the church overall to not grow. Why? Because we're all not doing our parts. You see, for many in the church today, church is just a spectator sport. They watch the Cowboys. They watch the Mavericks. They watch church. They're not playing on the Cowboys. They're not involved with the Mavericks, and they're not involved in church. They're just watching, spectators. The vast majority of Christians are spectators. They're not in the game. That's why do you think we have so many immature Christians who are not growing? Because if you stifle your growth, if you're not doing your part in the body of Christ, we will grow as a church when everybody does their part. Everybody serves. Everybody gives. Everybody does what God has called them to do. And you will grow individually when you do your part. What's your part? What's your ministry? If you don't know, you need to find out. We want to help you find out. Part of that ministry will be inside the church. Part of that ministry will be outside the church. Your ministry is not limited to one hour a week at church on Sundays. Something God wants you to do all the time. We see this in Matthew 4, 21, where it says, Jesus going on from there saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And that the, in this verse, katartizo means to mend. Mending nets, that's what the fishermen did. Every time they went fishing, they had to clean out the nets and they had to get all the junk out of the nets and they had to retie the nets because the nets got get damaged when they fished. And they were, they were being mended and equipped, not, not for storage, not to be set on a shelf, but for service so they could catch more fish. The same is true of us. Equipping means we have to clean up some dirty areas. There's some junk we need to get out of, there, out of our lives. There's some areas that need to be mended so that we can be prepared for service. And it's not just to equip you for yourself. It's to equip you to reach others. Mending makes sure there's no holes in the net. Listen, if there's holes in the net, we lose part of the catch. And so equipping is preparing the people of God uh, to function as they're supposed to so that no one falls through the cracks or slips through the back, proverbial back door or falls out of the net. We want everybody to be preserved, not to lose them. 
The classical Greek, the word katartizo also means to set a bone in surgery. So it's, it's putting things back together and in place. And the, the, the great physician does that in the church. So the church will not be out of joint. Setting up bone is, like, is what God is doing sometimes. It's a procedure of getting all of us back in the right place to function as he, he called us and, and to help us to be who he called us to be. In ancient Greek, katartizo also meant to supply an army with provisions. Paul told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 3.10, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply Catartizo, supply, equip you with what is lacking in your faith. God wants to equip you. God wants to use a fivefold ministry to equip you. God wants to use others in the church to equip, equip you by healing you and supplying with everything you need, everything that's lacking in you. God wants to give you. Listen, when you were lost, you were lacking salvation. But what did he do? He saved you when you were held captive by something. He set you free when you were broken and wounded. He healed you when you were incomplete. He completes you. When your life's out of order, God wants to put it back in order. When you feel like something's missing in life, God supplies what is missing. When something is lacking, God supplies what is lacking. When you're weak and worn out, God supplies the strength to give give you the strength and power to go on. When sin has damaged your relationship, God forgives you. God restores you. And when God restores you, He restores you completely. He equips you fully. You will not go through life as damaged goods. You'll be strong. You'll be steadfast. You'll be equipped. Why? So that you can equip others. So I prophesy over you today. There's going to come a day, and I believe that day is soon, where there will be nothing lacking in your faith. You will be fully equipped, fully mended, fully healed, fully restored, prepared, trained, and fully qualified for service. You are becoming who you ought to be. And that's being becoming more like Christ. And you'll help others become who they ought to be. And that's becoming more and more like Christ. So today I want to make it clear. I can't do all the ministry. The staff can't do all the ministry. The elders can't do all the ministry. Uh, it's going to take all of us to do all the ministry. So we need you to be involved as we create a culture of care. We will train you. We will equip you. The strength of this church is not people coming to church to hear me preach. The strength of this church is what you do with what you hear as you're equipped and trained and discipled and you take it out when you leave and you go and minister that to others. So if you want to see a church where people are saved and a place where we are seeing people healed, where the love of God is felt, if you want to stop seeing people falling through the cracks and going out the back door, if you want to see a church healthy and whole, then we are going to have to expand our base of ministers. We're going to have to equip you to minister effectively to each other as we create this culture of love. I want us to be a congregation. Everybody uses their gift for the glory of God. I want that to be. Lord, may that be. Lord, you have given gifts to everyone. You have distributed them as you will. Lord, for the benefit of all the body. Lord God, may your gifts flow in this place. And Lord, for those who have a gift, Lord, I pray they would begin to stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Not let it lie dormant in their lives. God, revive the gifts that are within us. Lord, stir it up. Stir it up in Jesus' name. I just say to you today, the community needs you, the church needs you, I need you. I pray you'll hear the call and answer it. You'll be like Isaiah who says, here I am, Lord. Send me, send me, send me, send me. Lord, I pray for everyone who's here. God, that you would show them what their calling is. 
They have a destiny and a calling. They have a ministry. I pray, God, you would lay it on their hearts. I pray, God, you would draw people in to being equipped as we create here at this church a culture of love together. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to